Just be there for them. Just make sure that they know that there's always a place for them to feel like they can come and talk to you. Even if you don't know what to say, sometimes just knowing that they've gotten it off their chest is better. Sometimes, like sometimes mum will just come and crawl into bed and you don't even have to say, are you okay mum, you just let her lay there. Or sometimes she'll ask for a hug and you don't have to ask why. Madison is 16 years old. Her mum Peter has lived with an eating disorder for most of her adult life. It began in her early 20s with binge eating disorder, a psychological illness marked by the frequent excessive consumption of food. But after undergoing weight loss surgery, the mental illness which had ruled her life took on a new, equally sinister persona, anorexia. Food still provided a distraction from her emotional pain, only now she was limiting it, consumed by fear she would regain the weight she had lost. But it wasn't until she collapsed at her daughter's 14th birthday that she realised something was seriously wrong. The years since, and the long journey back to health, have been anything but easy for the mother and daughter. There have been tears and triumphs, steps forward and steps back. And in supporting her mother along the way, Madison has had to grapple with her own battles around body image. But if it weren't for people like her daughter, Peter doesn't know where she'd be today. So just to start off with, could you tell me a little bit about your story, how many kids you have, your ages? Okay, um, so my name is Peter. Um, I am old. <laughs> I'm in that category. Yeah. I have two girls. Um, they're 24 and 16, so um, they're older. Um, I'm the family support worker at the Marupna Family Haven. Um, what else would you like to know? Were you born and raised in the area? Yeah, always been around Shep. Yeah. Can you tell me about when you first started to struggle with an eating disorder? I think I'm just going into almost four years now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so can you tell me a bit about uh, your journey before you sought help? So I was obese. I was morbidly obese, um, according to a BMI scale. And I had weight loss surgery after I'd tried I'd tried diet pills, I'd tried over-the-counter stuff, I'd tried doctor's prescribed stuff, I'd tried hypnotherapy, I'd tried all your yo-yo diets, your shakes, your tablets, all have had different effects in some way, shape or form, but um, no long-term results. Um, and so it was about four to five years before it all happened that I looked into weight loss surgery, had to wait on some waiting lists, all those sort of things, do some classes and things. And then I actually did have weight loss surgery. Um, so I've actually had a gastric sleeve, um, which looking back on now, I don't feel that I was mentally prepared for the results of the surgery. So I don't blame the surgery itself for the illness. I blame the mental support. When I started losing the weight, I thought it was awesome. I'm finally pretty, I'm finally sexy, I'm finally all of those sort of things until it got too far. So I actually had the surgery and lost weight too fast, um, which put my body into shock, which um, resulted in my body just rejecting everything and I couldn't eat anything. I vomited all the time. I couldn't get anything in it all. When was kind of the moment that you first thought, oh, okay, this is happening? Um, a lot later than everybody else. They all realised earlier than I did. They were just sort of saying um, that 
I was getting too skinny, um, that it was having obvious effects on my day-to-day -day life. Um, I couldn't stay awake for a whole day. I was sort of sleeping a lot, but restless sleep. So I'd just, if I sat on the couch, I was asleep. I'd fall asleep. Um, the eating, the eating was a big thing, thing. The amounts, the types of food, the amounts of food, the irregularity of the eating. Um, probably looking back now, the excuses I made to avoid all of those things as well. Um, the safety of the kids, um, not that, not as in parenting sort of dangers, but that if I stood up, I fainted um, a lot of the time, not, not every time, but um, there was a lot of at least holding on to the couch, the door frame, another person to, to get my bearings, a lot of dizziness and things like that. So it was having big effects on the girls. And um, I had a lot of people expressing a lot of opinions that weren't very helpful from people, outsiders, you know, friends, Facebook type friends, um, acquaintances. Oh, you'll finally be able to date now that you've lost weight. Or, oh, you're, finally, you're really pretty now. Um, the kids, my, my two girls were really affected me mentally. Like, what have I done to them? Not what have I done to me? A lot of it was about um, how it was affecting them. Um, because I'm a single mum, so um, I needed to be here to parent. It took for me to faint on my face, um, on my slate floor, <laughs> to realise that maybe I was in need of some help, yeah. <laughs> it was actually Maddie's birthday that I fainted in front of her and her friends on the floor. So yeah, Madison, could you tell me about when you first noticed that your mum might be struggling? I didn't notice that mum was struggling for a very long time. I think I, when she had her surgery, I was really young. So I don't think I fully understood that she was even having surgery in the first place. I didn't realise until the day mum fainted in front of me and my friends that there was something wrong because I think in my eyes she was always my mum. It didn't matter to me that she was, if she was overweight or if she was underweight, she was my mum. It didn't matter. So I think that I didn't realise there was something wrong until I had seen her faint and even then I didn't realise it was because of the eating. And so I think it's still not really clicking all that much to this day that there's a big issue, but I know that there's an issue. It's just, I guess I don't understand enough about it sometimes. How did you feel that day when your mom fainted? I, I don't remember seeing it. I don't remember actually seeing her. I remember hearing it. I remember hearing a thud, but not knowing what it was. Um, and I just remember carrying on with my friends. And it wasn't until she had come out and I had seen the giant mark on her forehead and her busted lip that I felt scared, but I didn't want to ask and make it a big deal in front of my friends. So I just, oh, you okay, mum? Cool, and run away. But I think that I remember being scared, but didn't want to make it a big deal. My mum actually rang my Melbourne doctors where I'd had my surgery. So she'd actually rung them and they admitted me to the Austin hospital where I spent a week getting help. And so my illness was diagnosed as circumstantial anorexia because 
of the circumstances on how it came about, um, being that it wasn't exactly a mental rejection of food. It started as a physical rejection of food that got twisted along the way. Did it kind of become mental as time went on? I do believe that a lot of, now, I do believe that a lot of it is mental. Um, I always wanted to be skinny. I always wanted to be media sexy, media pretty, all those type of things, you know, your music clip, sexy ladies type stuff, always wanted to be that. Um, I had my first child at 16, so pregnant at 15, so a lot of massive changes to my body before it was a developed body um, and missed out on a lot of things that kids that age miss out of. I've never worn a bikini, never <laughs> done any of those sort of things, so I think um, now, looking back, maybe that had something to do with it. I've done um, monthly, but there has been more regularly earlier on um, visits with the GP. And indeed, every three months I went to Melbourne for assessment. It took maybe two years to get into the Betters Clinic. Um, do you know what that is? No. Uh, the Body Image and Eating Disorder Treatment Recovery Centre. So they are based out of St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne um, in conjunction with the Austin Hospital. So they are solely an eating disorder clinic. Um, I got some help with them. I had a meeting there, but they wanted me to do a six-week inpatient course. So you can't come home at all for six weeks. It's in Melbourne. I'm a single parent. Like, I, What do I do with my kids for six weeks when I'm three hours away? So... I couldn't really get a lot of help from them. Um, I got a dietitian here in Shepparton, but again, that took at least two years. So I see her uh, quarterly and we just discuss food <laughs> and um, my health and all of those sort of things. So I have regular blood tests just to make sure that I've got all my levels and everything up where they're supposed to be. I had a counsellor that took me probably two and a half years to find here in Shep that she doesn't deal with eating disorders as a whole. She doesn't know a lot about, um, but we had a good enough rapport that um, the fact that she didn't know a lot about the illness, she could still help with the mental health side of it. Um, and my sessions have run out for that. And now we have COVID and it's all just up in the air. So I've, I haven't had any um, professional treatment this year. Do you think there's enough support for people struggling? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so all the GPs I've had have not been uh, well trained in eating disorders at all. the greatest challenges in terms of healing and you know getting to where you are today uh my own head just trying to convince myself that i am enough that i am pretty that healthy is better than skinny that um food tastes good food is good for you food is helpful for you in your journey of healing what did you ever feel like giving up a lot all the time 
all the time, particularly if um, I put weight on. That's still really, really, really hard to do. What kept you going in your recovery journey? My kids. It's things too, like, um, I don't think mum realises it, but sometimes she'll say the comment, oh, these pants don't look good, they make my legs look too skinny. And you always try and comment on that kind of thing, like say, you look fine, you look good, it doesn't matter, they're pants, they look good. I don't think, sometimes it re she realises that she says the little things and you just have to try and not be offensive and rude, but still say, you look beautiful the way you are and it doesn't matter because you're beautiful and that's that's what matters you're healthy and you're beautiful I'm seeing how it's affecting my mum and I don't want it to affect me like that and I want to be able to support her but still keep myself good as well as long as I know that I'm healthy I think that that's what's most important If you need support for an eating disorder, call the Butterfly Foundation support line on 1800 334 673 or contact Eating Disorders Victoria on 1300 550 236. For other crisis and counselling services, call Lifeline Australia on 131 114, Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636 or Kids Helpline on 1800 551 800.